What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another exciting episode of... The only news source that provides anything and everything anime manga related. And we don't bore you. We get into it. Let's do it. No matter how you Okay, people, welcome to the first episode of Forever News for 2022. I uh, hope you had a happy holiday. Hope you enjoyed your New Year's, New Year's Eve, your Christmas, whatever you celebrate. I hope you just had a damn awesome time. And uh, yeah, we got a whole new year, new stories to jump into. And of course, in case you don't know, 65% of people watching this right now aren't subscribed. Definitely would make a world of difference and continue to boost the show if you hit that subscribe button and hit that bell to get all notifications for the show so you know whenever we drop uh yeah it definitely helps and not to mention we also got the forever news channel that i recently created a few days ago uh that's doing pretty good so far you can definitely subscribe over there as well if you'd like that's where we'll be posting individual segments from the episodes after the episodes drop so in case you just want to you know watch one story here or there or whatever definitely go check out that channel and subscribe as well and now that we got all that out the way let's begin so let's start off the first segment with the weekly shonen jump author comments Starting it off, we got Eichiro Oda, creator of One Piece. He said, Happy New Year. I hope we can do that barbecue I've been dreaming of this year. I want a grill. Then we got Yuto Suzuki, author of Sakamoto Days. Harumon Shimata's channel is great. Watching it makes me want to eat grilled meat. Okay, then. <laughs> uh, we got My Hero Academia's Kohei Horikoshi. Happy New Year. I wish everyone a great year. We wish you the same, and hopefully you bring us a banging year. Um, what might be the last year, of course, of My Hero Academia. We got Jujutsu Kaisen's Gege Akutami. The shocks of 2021 were Wasa from Mamu and Elizabeth Dabiki from Tenant. What? Okay. <laughs> uh, then we got Ayashimon Yujikaku. Happy New Year. Here's to another great year. High expectations for your story. So hopefully we get some really dope stuff. Uh, we got Richiro Inagaki, author of Dr. Stone. Humanity's first trip to space was 60 years ago. And now private citizens can go for only 5 billion yen per ticket. Really? Interesting. Uh, then we got Doran Dororan by Genoska. Macaroons, cookies, potatoes, chocolate, etc. My assistants are so generous. Oh, so he got some dope gifts over the holiday. Dope. Yuki Tabata said, My two-year-old daughter finally said, Jump. Happy New Year. I love every time we talk about this kid, man. That's same way I am, dog. Same way. Happy New Year to you too, Tabata. Hajime Komodo, author of Marshall. I want a cat. Meow. Meow. Okay. <laughs> Little strange there, I'm not gonna lie, but alright. Somebody get this man a cat. And yeah, people, those were the weekly Shonen Jump author comments, the first ones of 2022. I'm expecting a whole bunch of awesome and greatness from all of these authors and their series. Let's see what they delivered this year because 2021 was pretty big. I'm expecting 2022, a lot of series too that were kind of in development and setup stages. They're probably gonna come swinging this year, and I'm all here for it, baby. Let's go. It's kind of crazy. 2021 really flew by. Just thinking real quick about like, Kohei Horikoshi, for example, My Hero Academia. I feel like it was just not long ago at all that we just started the Deku Vigilante arc. And I was like, okay, we're starting 2021 off with some craziness. And here we are, 2022. Like, wow. Next up, we got some very, very sad word. I want to say that this is going to be the last Q&A from the creator of Black Clover, Yuki Tabata, in the volumes. This is out of, I want to say, volume 31 of Black Clover. He did a, a Q&A. He answered a question and whatnot. And I ain't gonna lie, it had me a little bit like, 
Wow. Because we know at the end of the day that a lot of these authors from Shonen Jump, just in general, mangaka as a whole that work on a routine schedule, they go through a lot. But Yuki Tabata just sounds like he he's always going through a lot. And being a mangaka probably hasn't helped at all in terms of he... Yeah, we'll read and you guys will understand, but this was just a little tough to read to begin with. Afterward, the answer to the question, if Tabata ever cries, is yes and breaking into a flood of tears, a grown man. Naturally, my daughter has no bad intentions and she's chittering and is playful, but I really am crying for real. I was crying so hard that my wife, just rushing in after taking a bath, was shocked. I'd like to blame it on the stress due to being overwhelmed by the deadlines for a weekly serialization, but I used to cry a lot even when I was not working on a weekly series. Now, I love Tokyo, but having moved here, I would be so homesick that I used to cry in the shower every night for a few months. Not just crying, but weeping. After meeting my wife, I cried every time I failed at some milestone. I shouldn't trouble her or let her down. Crying, despite having my own child. Need to stop. If you're reading this and you're a crybaby, don't worry. I'm still crying as an adult, and no matter how miserably I cry, there's always a very strong person looking after me. Huge thanks to my wife. That is, wow. Like, I ain't gonna lie, reading that is, it's sad, man, it's sad, like, obviously he said, like, like before serializations, like, he was kind of like a crybaby, which is crazy, because his series, Asta, is not a crybaby, you know, the main character of his series, Black Clover, Asta, he is far from a crybaby, so a lot of times, you know, you take it that an author is writing themselves into the work, or there's some qualities there, if anything, he would have been, like, you know, early Deku, or something like that, or somebody like, um, Takamichi from Tokyo Revengers, but his character, his main character is nothing like that, he's not a crybaby and I, I hope the best for him man I i'm sure that you know doing this weekly serialization isn't helping any with you know being emotional like he's an emotional dude nothing wrong with that and having all this stress on top of him is probably not helpful and shout out to having a strong woman by his side i think that's one of the things that keeps tabata going his family itself i love just hearing man Tabata's a really wholesome dude like you always hear every time he can he gets a chance he'll talk about his wife he'll talk about his daughter and the fact that he took a whole post to just say how strong his wife is and how it helps him through things that is really awesome shout outs to tabata his beautiful family again happy new year to him and his family but reading this was a little tough man that that you know like i i feel like to a certain degree that the serialization does have an impact more so than he realizes because like that's not the most normal to be honest with you to just be randomly crying because you couldn't help your wife the way you needed to and stuff like that like and i'm not saying he's abnormal or there's something wrong with him i'm saying that he probably needs a long break and thankfully we're at the season right now where I believe we, they get another break you know golden week and all that jazz so that's good for you know the authors and stuff like that and somebody like Tabata because just reading this again first of all there's nothing wrong with crying get your emotions out and stuff like that but it sounds like he definitely has a lot of stress regardless if he was crying before the serialization because yeah my heart goes out to Tabata his family uh like it's, it's wild to even hear an author talk about stuff like that authors normally like they don't go that deep into like yo I was crying into a, a, a puddle in the floor like yeah okay people next up not necessarily manga news but it's manhwa and it's leading into anime anyways because apparently the other day a few days ago now uh solo leveling has officially ended with i want to say it's 179th chapter and a lot of people were emotional about it said it was really good and all of that jazz i never got into it i just got the first volume like i don't even know maybe a week or two ago so yeah that's <laughs> way off the mark but yeah apparently it ended with chapter 179 and also 
there are rumors that it has been confirmed that it is getting an anime i want to say we've talked about this in the past or whatnot but yeah there's big rumors now that it is definitely getting an anime which would make sense if they ended it now of it getting an anime like okay 179 chapters depending on how they do this that could be a few different seasons or if they go the route which i'm hoping not i hope that they learned their lesson all of these companies of the way they adapted like when we had uh, what was it tower of god and god of high school a lot of people weren't a fan of the pacing of some of those even though tower of god i will still stand by that it was fast but i really love tower of god god of high school it, it just felt like a bunch of fighting like there felt like there was next to no story in the anime i'm talking about i'm hearing the manhwa that it's way better but i hope they don't go that route with solo leveling i hope if they do get a studio attached it's a really good one whether it be a1 pictures whether it be mappa whoever it is which probably not mappa at this point they got too much on their plate but whatever studio gets their hands on this one i hope they do it a proper adaptation of not like hey we're gonna put 10 15 chapters per episode like that that's not gonna work that's gonna be horrible and again i'm not too familiar with solo leveling i want to say a few years back i read about two three chapters maybe of it and it was all right I, I didn't understand the hype per se. Maybe it gets better after that, whatever. But it was like, it was hype. Right. But maybe again, once it gets an anime and probably down the road in the story, it probably gets way better. And yeah, ended at 179 chapters and big, big rumors that it is getting an anime, which we've been hearing that for a little bit now, but I'm almost certain it's definitely because it's like the most popular manhwa. It has an English release over here as well. Yeah, it's getting that anime. Next up, let's take a look at the top 50 best-selling manga volumes of the week. So starting off from 50 to 41, there is a ton of Tokyo Revengers back on the charts. We got at number 49, Tokyo Revengers Volume 10. Number 48, Tokyo Revengers 19. 47, Volume 14. 46, Volume 18. God damn. And then, whoa, Jujutsu Kaisen Volume 1 snuck back up on here. How did that happen? Uh, with 18,000. Oh, I get it. It was a lot of people... I, yeah, because the Jujutsu Kaisen Zero movie came out on Christmas Eve over there. So, yeah, a lot of people that probably were not familiar with Jujutsu Kaisen at all went out and they were like, okay, so if this was Zero, then we got to go watch or we got to go buy Volume 1, right? So, that's probably what happened. It, damn, it sold... 18.9 okay I'm, I'm interested to see what the rest of this is looking like like did you, all the Jujutsu Kaisen volumes jump or what's going on there and then another Tokyo Revengers at 41 volume 23 with another 20,000 Jesus Christ what happened with Tokyo Revengers uh, I wonder if it's to do with the controversy of what happened with Draken motherfucker was like nah fuck that shit I'm buying more volumes now and then we got places 40 through 31 uh Jujutsu Kaisen 16 at number 37 with 22,000 right there uh Tokyo Revenge my god Tokyo Revengers volume 24 23,000 at number 35 uh Spy X Family at 32 with 24,000 bringing this total to 774,000 okay 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 then we got places 30 through 21 Goblin Slayer uh in two days 26,747 okay dope stuff then we got World Trigger volume 24 still on the charts in 24 days this week it brought in 28,300 bringing its total to 368,000 we got one punch man volume 24 29,000 uh, Hajime no Ippo, 133, 29,000, bringing his total to 64. Okay, 10 days, 64,000, not bad at all for its 133rd volume. That's pretty freaking awesome. Uh, then we got Berserk, Volume 41, Special Edition, with 34,487 in three days. That's not bad, that's the special. So I wonder, 
okay, the, the other one probably had it to chart as well. Then we got at number 23, which I talked a lot about it in the last one, but um, definitely interesting to see that in three days now, Chojin X, the new manga from the creator of Tokyo Ghoul, has definitely jumped. So it seems like sales aren't as bad as I initially thought because in three days, basically, since it came out, according to these sales anyway, it's at 65,000 for volume two and 73,000 for volume one. It's actually not looking as bad as I thought it was going to be. Again, in general, Ch uh, Chojin X being the new follow-up series to the creative Tokyo Ghoul. Like, okay, it's it's not blowing up per se, but I think that those are very solid numbers. Now it's not looking too bad, especially the time span of how long these volumes been out. Not bad at all. So shout-outs to both of them. I'm loving the improvement on it because it was looking horrible for the first release uh, of numbers for them. Then we got places 20 through 11. Damn, Jujutsu Kaisen Volume 0, the manga, with 41,900. Okay, yeah, that movie definitely sold it. Brought it to 2.6 million total. That movie definitely helped uh, bring those sales up because, holy shit, it just went randomly up there. Dope stuff. Uh, then we got Fire Force 32 at 15 with 48,000. Kaiju number 8, number 5 at 14 with 51,000. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen Volume 17 with 50. Yeah, <laughs> Jujutsu Kaisen still killing it uh, with uh, 50,756. Yeah, it's still inching its way up it'll definitely hit i've been saying this but it'll hit two million before it falls off these charts easy then we got the top 10 10 through 1 at number 10 one piece still holding on to the top 10 of uh, with volume 101 at 62,663 bringing this total to 1.5 million uh golden Kamui volume 28 in 10 days its total is 174 Kaguya summer love is war 81,000 this week then berserk volume 41 not the special edition which if you combine the special edition and this one because this did 86,000 in three days very very good numbers for berserk and unfortunately it's the final kentaro miura produced berserk it remains to be seen whether there'll be more from his studio gaga but 86,000 and then if you combine the what what was it 41,000 let me double check it was i want to say 34,000 so 34,000 with 86,000 that's easily over 100k what 110 i want to say that's very good that's very very good for berserk um and a really nice way to go out for um its final volume and as always rest in peace Kitaro Mira. always got to throw that in I don't care uh 86,000 though really dope stuff and uh yeah we'll see I guess where the future of Berserk leads us then at number four which it looks like they're really pushing these special editions it's the deluxe edition of uh manga Jujutsu Kaisen 18 special edition in two days 122,000 on the special edition mind you and then we got um record of Ragnarok in a full week 180,000 so shout outs to record of Ragnarok at number three then Tokyo Revengers at uh I want to say this was on its like second week of, of numbers and whatnot. It did 220,000, bringing this total to 720 with, again, that Draken cover. In case you don't know, check the last week's episode of Forever News. Very controversial stuff that happened with the voice actor behind Draken. And then number one in two days. Unfreaking real. 667,857 copies for Jujutsu Kaisen Volume 18. If you combine that with the numbers from the special edition that's what 760 oh my god 789 almost 800,000 copies in two days on its latest volume that's pretty freaking insane like really really good shout outs to Gaga Akutami 
well-deserved. And yeah, people, those were the top 50 best-selling manga volumes of the week. Okay, people, next up, we're going to be talking about this story that is pretty significant. The creator and the pioneer of the Gundam franchise, Yoshiyuki Tomino, recently came out and said something that had a lot of people talking regarding the Japanese anime industry and it basically not being a leader of animation anymore. I'm going to read it and then I'll give my opinion. Gundam creator says Japan is no longer a leader in animation. A Japanese news blog, Real Economy, published an article about the Gundam creator, Yoshiyuki Tomino, who spoke at a museum exhibition where he talked about the challenges of the anime industry in the current era. Yoshiyuki revealed that Japan is no longer the leader in animation and China is now ahead of Japan. Tomino revealed that about 10 years ago when he went to Beijing, China to deliver a lecture, there were many young anime enthusiasts and they are now working as professionals in Chinese animation industry. He also said that many graduates from Beijing University, which is considered a top-class education institute, have entered in the world of anime. Tomino claimed that Chinese government is heavily investing in their domestic animation department as a part of their state policy. He then compared the Chinese government with a Japanese government and said that Japanese politicians are stuck 30 to 40 years in the past. He further said, there is a sense of crisis that Japan will lose completely to those in Beijing if they don't stop making anime from a business-oriented perspective. But I didn't mean to send salt to them who came to listen to my lecture, and I don't want to lose. Still, I want you all to be aware that Japan is no longer a leader in animation. As for the Chinese animated shows are concerned, the quality have improved a lot over the years. According to many anime fans, they still can't enjoy the Chinese animation as much as anime because of the language barrier. Also, many Japanese animators now prefer to work for Chinese animation studios due to better wages. And I'll be honest with you, I feel like Tomino definitely had a few different points. For starters, they are definitely way more business oriented now than they used to be. That's one of the problems that a lot of people are seeing with anime as a whole and where it's going is the fact that rather than taking the time to be more artistic and create shows that will have long lasting value, they're kind of churning a lot of the same shit over and over. Same story elements, same plot, same type of character arcs, all that different stuff. They're continuing to just remix over and over and over again so it's less like you know from an artistic and and love standpoint and more from hey the big guys up there ordered x y and z so that's something that is definitely valid also there's a lot of other uh industries from different countries and whatnot that are coming in and becoming a staple for crying out loud korea manhua is becoming a big thing you know like we got solo leveling that is blowing up we got all of these different things so in terms of the chinese animation industry i'm sure that that is also becoming an issue but to say that japan is no longer a leader in animation i don't know it's it's hard to say and the reason why i say it's hard to say is because at the very least from a mainstream perspective from anything anybody like here in the west for example can tell you is that anime is like one of the biggest things and it is the big thing in animation so it is the leader because the animation is obviously 99 percent being done over there in japan of course there's a few subsections of places that that are animating certain projects and whatnot, but for the most part, it's coming from Japan. So I won't say that Japan is not a leader in animation anymore. I think he was maybe being a little bit over the top with it. I think Japan is still very much so a leader, but that could change. 
That's my opinion, though. And obviously, he's way more experienced, so he knows more than me. What do I know? All I know is what I see. And what I see is that anime is 100% number one in the forefront. And majority of it is being produced over there in Japan. Minus, again, some of the subsection studios that are handling certain episodes or projects and stuff like that. But yeah, I thought that that was something interesting to note. And I wanted to cover it. Next up, let's take a look at the top 10 selling manga series of the week. At number 10, Umamusume Cinderella Grey with 101,000. Again, a very interesting chart. One Piece at number 9. Berserk 8. A lot of really big titles. Blue Lock at 7. Haikyuu 6. My Hero Academia at number 5. Uh, Demon Slayer at number 4. Record of Ragnarok. Yeah, you see like as it goes up. And then all of a sudden number 2, Tokyo Revenge was 655,000. And then number 1 it does almost double that. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen. Which Jujutsu Kaisen is now going to be a little bit elevated. Because that movie right now is in theaters. And it's doing pretty well. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, interesting to to take a look at the top 10 selling manga series of the week a lot of these numbers usually get pushed up in terms of by series whenever these series drop a volume especially if it's a more popular one like again when tokyo avengers drops a volume it's going to go up likewise with jujutsu kaisen next up we got a story here regarding the founder of ufotable remember it's been for over a year now the story and it finally just got closed recently his case of how he got caught basically stealing money and lying on his tax returns he got caught for tax evasion and whatnot well he came out and actually responded to everything now that his case has been not necessarily closed but he had a three-year suspended sentence so he doesn't have to do time as long as he has good behavior and all that jazz let's read the article Ufotable founder discusses the issues with the anime industry that led to his tax evasion earlier this month Ufotable founder Hikaru Kondo and the studio was found guilty of violating the corporation tax act by evading more than 138 million yen about 1.25 million dollars in taxes sentencing the former president to 20 months in prison with a three-year suspended sentence. Japanese website Daily Shincho compiled quotes and details from the public trial that led to the reasons behind why he purposefully hid the money away and what Ufotable was doing to help fix the issues in the anime industry. During the investigation, it was discovered that Kondo had intentionally moved money from the web store and cafes to his home to not only prevent part-time workers from seeing the cash flow, but to help prop up Ufotable the anime studio, which was making a loss on every piece of work they were making. Kondo explained that quote-unquote if an anime doesn't become a hit people won't buy merchandise or come to the cafes so in having to work hard to make a popular anime we always end up in the red he continued the quality demanded of anime keeps increasing but because the production costs offered by the clients are relatively low every time we produce a work we always end up in the red kondo mentioned to the judge that the animators are usually freelancers and are paid by the job rather than by a salary which comes with benefits in japan such as health care pension payments and bonuses Kondo felt that this wasn't good enough for the work they outputted and thus made everyone who wanted to be a full-time staff member of the studio. Though Kondo explained to the judge that, quote-unquote, the base production costs have been gradually increasing, but that doesn't mean that the money coming from the client side has changed, and I know that making all the staff full-time employees would be difficult from a management standpoint. The former president continued saying, Ufotable's profits come from the cafe business and the sales of goods. We have been able to continue our animation production because of those two areas. If our works do not become a hit we will not be able to pay our staff salaries or recoup the production costs i wanted to reserve a sufficient amount of cash so that i wouldn't have to worry about working capital in case something happened this is what led to kondo being charged with tax evasion the founder claims according to the daily shincho during the investigation it was found that kondo had not only moved money away from other areas of the business without proper process but also moved profits from god eater into the next fiscal year to 
reduce income on tax statements. The money that was moved into Kondo's home wasn't in a safe as previously reported, but scattered around his home in Tokyo and as one investigator found, put into paper bags, which then spilled out, leaving 60 million yen, about $530,000, just laying on the floor of a children's room. Kondo had used that cash to build up Ufotable Tokushima, a regional anime studio that opened in 09 to train staff prior to the period of which Kondo was charged for, purchasing land as well as salaries for Kondo and his wife. Though Kondo says that the money he used to purchase the land for his house and build it came from money he earned himself rather than the company's money, though they were being kept in the same place. When Kondo was asked by prosecution on his thoughts about the future of Ufotable's businesses, Kondo reportedly calmly responded by saying that since he was charged in June 2020, Ufotable has not taken on any new animation contracts, only continuing to work on contracts already signed. The public announcement of Ufotable and Kondo came about after the airing of Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba's first TV anime arc, sounds like people was hating, of which Ufotable was on the production committee. Mugen Train went on to be the highest grossing film in Japan ever and topped the worldwide box office chart for 2020. The third and final Fate Stay Night Heaven's Feel anime film also premiered in the same year. Now that I think about it, because I just didn't Ufotable just announce that they're doing a new movie or something? Hmm. Okay. Uh, according to Kondo, there have been no managerial issues at Ufotable since June 2020, and the studio has been approached to work on new anime projects, but has declined all of them. This was said by Kondo before the announcement of, okay, which of the Holy Night gotcha. Since the project will leave the production costs in the red, having Ufotable pay out of pocket to achieve the quality it will be happy with and known for. Kondo stated if base production costs in the anime industry don't change in the near future, we will have no choice but to do something on our own. We are currently accepting business proposals for future work oh god i know that was a lot to take in but um i, I feel like this is where netflix starts going hey we're here <laughs> and i will say if it is indeed true because you know you can't believe a lot of the businessmen and stuff like that that are trying to get themselves especially out of a hole like that that he was doing a lot of this so that he could make his employees full-time like with benefits and stuff like that that's very admirable and commendable that's respectable like yeah it's wrong that he was hiding the cash and all of that crazy shit but if he was doing that for his employees benefit that's respectable and i gotta commend that i'm sorry i can't i can't put him down for something like that but yeah he got going i ain't gonna lie it just sounds like ridiculous that one of the biggest anime studios it's ufotable and mappa right ufotable demon slayer mugen train half a billion dollars one of the biggest non-hollywood productions ever in history and even them they be hitting in the red i don't know man i feel like this is where sony or one of these corporations is gonna step in and say yo so what do you need you know what i'm saying how much do you need and then yeah but it was interesting to get a little insight into yeah the mind of kondo i guess post him being you know put down not put down you know <laughs> you know what i mean okay people next up we got a few different series as total sales for starters we got jojo's bizarre adventure the whole entire saga by hirohiko araki has officially 120 million copies including all series in circulation so part one through set what no, I almost said seven. Part one through eight, I guess, right? Uh, 120 million copies in circulation. That That's pretty freaking awesome. I mean, I ain't gonna lie, he's been writing since the 80s, but I, I hope he has every dollar and every penny that he deserves because, yeah, JoJo's is amazing. So 120 million copies for the series in total. Then another legendary series, uh, Hajime no Ippo by George Morikawa has 100 million copies in circulation for volumes one through 100. 30 
3, which again, 100 million copies for a boxing series. That is huge and phenomenal, and Epo is a legendary. It's much more than just a boxing series. Don't get it twisted. What I'm saying is that it did something very incredible. A sports series doing 100 mil. Big, big congrats to George Morikawa, and of course, this is a Kodansha title. This isn't like, you know, uh, a big Shueisha or anything like that. Shoutouts to Hajime no Epo. 100 million copies as well. And lastly, Look Back by Tatsuki Fujimoto, the author of Chainsaw Man, has reached 500 thousand copies in circulation that speaks volumes no pun intended on just how much people adore and admire Toski Fujimoto's pen game like this is not Chainsaw Man related it's Toski Fujimoto related and it still does half a million for a one shot where do they do that at Toski Fujimoto baby next up so over the I, I guess you would say um holidays I had seen these comments and I meant to throw them in an episode of Forever News but it was really really bizarre it was from the creator of One Piece Eiichiro Oda there was a few different back and forth Let, let's just read when asked about his personality Oda describes himself as greatly confident selfish someone who loves having dinner with others o Oda talks a lot about wanting to have dinner when Oda held a party in his house years ago he was reported to police by neighbors due to to the party being too noisy. Oda complains only his family members can scold him now that he is so famous. His wife recently warned him, your behavior is rude to others. Even when others are talking to him, Oda sometimes unintentionally devotes himself to thinking about manga. I ain't gonna say nothing. I'm gonna let y'all be the judge of, of this one, okay? If you find a small hole on the wall that says, do not peek, how do you peek into the hole? What do you see from the inside the hole? Which this was a question that was asked to Oda. And Oda's response to that is, when I tried to peek, a monkey on the the opposite side prevented me with a banana. Then I put my mouth on the wall so fast that the monkey finally gave up. I witnessed a pink world from the hole. Thank you so much. <laughs> Have fun with that, Oda. Yeah. 2022. Okay, people, next up, this is something that I found to be very, very important and interesting in general. Something with the anime industry regarding why it's hard for people to unionize. Now, unions usually help out immensely in overpaid places, like even in Hollywood with, like, you know, the writers' union and stuff like that. It's always a big benefit to create unions. However, in the anime industry, here's why it's really difficult for them to unionize. Veteran producer explains the problems of unionizing in the anime industry. In a two-part online salon, anime producer Masuo Ueda tasked the topic of animator unions in the anime industry, or to be precise, the lack thereof. Speaking with JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Diamond is Unbreakable, and Knights of the Zodiac Saint Seiya character designer Terumi Nishi on her YouTube channel, Ueda explained that the anime industry relies heavily on freelancers, which makes it difficult for them to collectively organize. Although he said that Toei Doga, now Toei Animation, a established a union and that the former Mushi Productions once employed around 250 people due to an industry-wide financial windfall and heavy downscaling over the years it is now extremely rare for modern anime studios to be large companies in their own right some studios such as A1 Pictures and Cloverworks exist as subsidiaries of large companies but the management philosophy is different from the older large studios because of the lack of unified standards and because the anime studios typically don't have full control over production budgets it is very difficult to agree on a minimum wage for animators Ueda said that even if a group of animators were to decide on a particular number it would not be difficult for companies to find different animators who would agree to a lower rate wage dumping in addition some veterans have memories of the failures of the Japan Animation Creators Association in pushing for worker protection 
directions and are pessimistic because of this. Ueda and Nishi both agreed that there is a common feeling of apathy among animators despite a widespread agreement that wages should be higher across the board. On the other hand, Ueda pointed to the successful unionizing efforts of voice actors and screenwriters. He argued that instead of trying to herd cats with a collective for animators in general, it would be more practical and feasible for animation directors specifically to attach their names to a group that will negotiate on their behalves. According to Ueda, anime industry directors and character designers are often core members of the production team and their efforts can make or break a show. Because of this, they are in a position with more bargaining power than a lower rung animator. Nevertheless, because they're highly familiar with the work of key animators and in-between animators, an animation director union would be the first step towards creating a workable collective that will advocate the rights of all animators. Ueda and Nishi discussed the pros and cons of this approach in the full discussion, and Ueda began working on Nippon Rising, now known as Sunrise, in 1979, then began working at Aniplex in 2003 and became president and CEO of A1 Pictures in 2010. However, he left Aniplex in 2017, and he is a representative and planning producer for Skyfall LLC. Yeah, unionizing is a very difficult and scary task. Like in Hollywood, I forget exactly what, what part of the industry I was reading, but one of the things is like creating a union oftentimes will just get you blackballed. Like they'll just be like, oh, all of these people on this list will never work here again because they try to pull something like that. So it's a scary thing and they could do the same thing over there in the anime industry. And you know, if you never be able to do what you love because you're blackballed, it's a scary thought. Hopefully they figure it out over there. Okay, people, next up, in light of the Orient anime from the creator of Magi Shinobu Otaka, it is supposed to be premiering this week, if I'm not mistaken. A couple of artists from Weekly Shonen Magazine did some tributes. For starters, Atsushi Okubo did a tribute to Orient, and I'm not gonna lie, I don't really care for it all that much. I feel like it's cool. Mm, I don't know. I feel like Hiromashima, because then Hiromashima, creator of Eden Zero and Fairy Tale, he did one. That shit looks sick as hell. I don't know what... Sushi Okubo. Maybe Okubo did that like a very spare of the minute. Like, holy shit, I, I gotta do something, they told me, right? Uh, cause yeah, no bueno, but Hiromashima's looks fire, and in general, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I'm not expecting too much, because from the trailers, it doesn't look like it's going to be the greatest piece of animation, but if the story is solid enough, who knows, maybe it could be dope. Next up, we got some words from the creator of Seven Deadly Sins, Suzuki Nakaba, Nakaba Suzuki, uh, regarding the inspiration and how much impact Dragon Ball had on Seven Deadly Sins. On the Japanese show, most incredible manga is this, picked by popular manga artist. Suzuki Nakaba, author of Seven Deadly Sins, he revealed that Dragon Ball is number one manga that greatly affected him. The charm of Dragon Ball is its battle scenes, he explained. Toriyama is one of the few manga artists that can draw out the depth of a battle scene, the sense of speed and three-dimensional effect of the battle. It made readers know how the characters fight. He added, Toriyama Sensei's drawings of characters or inanimated objects is very incredible. Some of the best battle scenes in Seven Deadly Sins are inspired from Dragon Ball, and Suzuki's favorite manga are are number one, Dragon Ball, two, Kinukiman, three, Hokuto no Ken, you are already dead. Very interesting piece of information there. Figured I'd share it with you guys. Then we got some video game sales for starters. Dragon Ball Z Kakarot has now sold 4.5 million copies, including the Switch 
version as well as we got naruto shippuden ultimate ninja storm 4 which that came out what was it was that 2016 i want to say has now nearly 9 million copies since released almost 10 million and i wonder does that include road to boruto as well probably does but either way almost 10 million sales that is huge shout outs to uh these anime games i wish they would make more and better anime games like, like kakarot was a great game and storm was a great game but some of the other ones like one punch man a hero nobody played and <laughs> anime games and less mobile ones too like uh, okay we got like we got a black clover mobile game coming out and i'm kind of hyped for it just because it's rarely anything black clover related in general but let's get more really dope console games like kakarot like imagine a, a kakarot but with black clover oh my god or kakarot with any uh, new ip or something like that because we you know kakarot I, I played the raditz saga 100 billion times in all these games since the 90s like doing that with black clover doing that with my hero doing that with any of the other newer titles would be crazy okay people next up according to a club outside new year's message there'd be new information regarding burn the witch during this year nothing else new is mentioned in it in case you don't know what burn the witch is it is the other series from the creator of bleach taite kubo he has like a seasonal series i believe they did season one and it was chopped up into like three episodes or a movie of burn the witch and it was pretty dope for what it was so far and the fact that there's new info coming this year it could be maybe by the end of, that would be a really nice tie-in of like if burn the witch came out maybe leading into bleach like imagine we get bleach comes in october right Let's just say maybe over the summer we get Burn the Witch Season 2 and it leaves off at the end similar to how the first season left off with like a nod to Soul Society and this was like the West Side Branch or some shit like that. Like boom, it ties into and then Ichigo's like, oh shit, I'm about to begin. Okay, pass the baton, bitch. That'd be kind of dope. But yeah, uh, new info for Burn the Witch coming this year. Okay, people, next up, a lot of people are buzzing about this so I did want to mention it even though at this point I'm kind of like over it in terms of just drop it. I don't care to hear any more rumors rumors whispers potential i don't care no more just either drop it or i don't care but because a lot of people are buzzing and i'll just throw it out there but I'm, I'm i'm over it it says here dragon ball super producer teases the return of the dragon ball super anime this year he was speaking regarding i want to say dragon ball super superhero the film and he said there's also a chance that something other than the movie will be coming this year too so a lot of people took that as oh the dragon ball super anime is going to return which it could possibly be what i said let's just say the dragon ball super movie comes out in april at the end of the film it's like a teaser of like oh snap you know the the anime is returning just hopefully again not in 3d cg because that's going to be an absolute disgusting mess i don't want it been teased that it's going to return which it was teased last year the year before that okay just bring it already i don't care no more i don't want to talk about it no more i want to see it actually here i want a trailer i want a teaser i want something other than oh yeah a, a producer was scratching his ass in nevada and, and and said hey dragon ball super anime huh like yeah for people that have been hungry for some whispers and mentions of the tv anime returning there you go okay people next up for cyber connect 2 fans in case you don't know about cyber connect 2 we just spoke a second ago that there are the people behind like naruto storm they just released demon slayer hinokami chronicles very they, they did dragon ball z kakarot like they're very very notable in terms of the anime video games that they've done and it says here developer cyber connect 2 will announce its next game in february developer cyber connect 2 known for everything from the dot hack series and asura's wrath to major licensed anime based on the likes of naruto 
Dragon Ball and Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba is always staying busy. As for what's next, company president and CEO Hiroshi Masuyama recently teased some plans during his Piro Live New Year's Eve special 2022 livestream saying that the new title they'll be announcing will get people talking and shake the world. Thankfully, we don't have to wait too long ahead of us because Masuyama said the new game will be announced in February with a release plan for sometime this summer. So it'll be like, boom, February. Hey, we got this game. Boom. And the summertime is coming. Cyber Connect 2 has seen a lot of success with recent releases. And uh, they ran through global sales numbers during the stream, including 1.32 million units for Demon Slayer, Hinokami Chronicles, over 4.5 million for Dragon Ball Cat. Okay, yeah, we already went through those numbers. But yeah, now there's a few different rumors for starters because there's a big Dragon Ball event that happens in February. Some people are saying it's going to be like DLC for Kakarot. I hope not. I'm, I'm not a fan of what they've been trying to do over the last however many years of just having one game and continuing to upload it with DLC year after year like mm, hopefully this is something that they either got a new ip like a jujutsu kaisen game or a lot of people also saying that jump force that whole thing of like that they're taking off the stores and everything happens around february that would be fire imagine a jump force-esque type of game like a j stars fighter type of game but with the mechanics of cyber connect 2 that would work that would be really hype. But yeah, uh, Cyber Connect 2 working on their next game. Hopefully, again, it's not just like an update to a game we already, you know, have. Like, And we got a lot of really dope Naruto and Dragon Ball games. I don't care. Bleach, One Piece. Uh, we got Demon Slayer coming in, of course, now. So dope stuff there. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, My Hero, One's Justice was... Uh, I wouldn't mind Cyber Connect 2 throwing their hat in the ring for that one as well. Okay, people, and lastly, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero movie has exceeded 5.8 billion yen in box office revenue, which I want to say that's like $50 million, with 4.3 million admissions over an 11-day period in Japanese theaters. And I want to say, and I hate to compare it, but if this did 5.8 billion yen in box office revenue in 11 days, I believe Demon Slayer had did 10 billion in 10 days if i'm not mistaken somewhere around there so it's still it's like about 60 percent of what demon slayer did which it's still astronomical but it's clear in terms of like the competition of Ooh, who's gonna be the bigger dog it, it was demon slayer but jujutsu kaisen zero considering majority of the cast is like people that aren't major cast characters from the actual series it's dope that is carrying and doing this well and they put out a new promo image of utah looks really really dope as well hopefully they bring this film to us soon i want to see it and yeah people those were all the stories we have for today's episode i am curious what you guys think the most impactful story your favorite story anything that you want to hear me talk about in the next episode definitely let me know but that's all i have for this one thanks for watching hope you enjoyed if you liked anything i had to say or enjoyed the video drop me a like i'd greatly appreciate it and if you want more from me make sure to subscribe follow me on twitter instagram hit that bell to get all notifications and if you want to follow any of my other social media links are in the description below i'm for never world and as always people have an awesome day and remember the golden rule anime and manga for life boy. have an awesome day peace in and you guys just watched another episode of for never news. have an awesome day <laughs>